Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. Just a quick reminder that if you feel like you're a little overwhelmed with all of the episodes that I have on my podcast and you really want to get a curated list, like a short list of episodes that are specifically designed for you and where you're at in this process, you can get that by going to kateanthony.com slash playlist and take a quick um, little like four question assessment and then it'll spit out your results. So, um, and then you'll get a couple of emails to that, um, give you a little bit more information and some tips for where to go and how to, um, continue to move forward from where you're at right now. Um, you'll also get a copy of my roadmap. Um, you may have heard me talk about the roadmap before on the podcast. Um, it's a really great tool for seeing where you're at uh, in this process, where you have perhaps come from, and then what might be ahead for you. Uh, not to overwhelm you, but to let you know that you are not alone and that there really is a fairly uh, well-defined process <laughs> that most people go through. Again, that's kateanthony.com slash playlist. You can get your playlist and then the roadmap will also be sent to you. Today, I have with me Jennifer Lee. Jennifer is the founder of Modern Wealth, a Sarasota-based financial firm with a focus on helping individuals experiencing transition. Jennifer has over 27 years of expertise in the financial services industry and is also the author of the book, Squeeze the Juice, Live with Purpose, Then Leave a Legacy. And today we're really talking about, we're talking to the women who have perhaps had their head in the sand a bit. Um, we call it ostrich syndrome, right? We've had your head in the sand and just sort of like, la, 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 about the finances. Um, and then are suddenly faced with the fact that like, there's a lot of shit you got to figure out. Um, so if that's you, this episode is for you. So here's my conversation with Jennifer Lee. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Let's start with your book, Squeeze the Juice. You want to help people get the most out of every moment of life. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think when you when I think about squeezing the juice, I think about squeezing the juice out of a vacation, out of an experience, out of a conversation that you have in a networking environment, out of this podcast, out of relationships, really out of anything. You want to get the best and you want to get the most of it out. And I like to leave the rest of it there to take the juice and move on. But I wrote this book and really to communicate to my target audience, which happens to be the non-moneyed spouse. Yeah, It's often that this group of people is less interested in talking about finance and 
money and you say um, 401k, you say retirement planning, you say life insurance, you say annuity, and they you lose them. They put their head in the sand and... Yeah, you lost me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uncommon. It's No, not at all. It's more uncommon that somebody is um, comfortable talking about money. Yes. Yes. Such a cliche. Like talking about money is taboo, right? And I like that we're getting more transparency in terms of you know, the workforce, there's a little bit more wage transparency happening, but it goes to this putting our head in the sand about money. I remember all the jobs that I had in the corporate world. You know, I never knew what my friends were making. Nobody ever talked about that stuff. I remember finding out that a friend of mine was making like $20,000 more than I was for the same job. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that's that's hard. But that took a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of it really boils down to, and I don't know if you've ever had this conversation, but it it boils down to what is your money story? So when I say that, I mean, what is your first exposure to money? Was it positive? Was it negative? Was it about lack? So people either embrace a, a positive experience or they run from it. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's a generational thing where I know for me, Gen X, right? Like, do I know anyone who has a positive (laughs) story from their, from their childhood, right? Like all of mine are totally awful and negative. Well, you know me now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My money story is a, is a little, um, I mean, it's perfect that I'm in this industry. It just worked out perfectly well, but you know, I remember in kindergarten when they brought in actual coins. We were doing the coin worksheet. They brought in actual physical coins. It was amazing. I thought it was awesome. At 14, I was selling candy bars on the back of the bus to supplement my hunger need of an adolescent. So to me, money is a tool and money is an opportunity to get you the things you want in your life. So if you don't know how to use that tool, how are we going to get what you want? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. So my money story, just for, you know, for shits and giggles here, is that, you know, I was raised by a single mom in New York City. And I would not say we were living in abject poverty. That would be an understatement. But because we did have resources, but the resources were like my godfather who bought my mother a bicycle so that she could ride to school and back and not spend the money on the you know bus and subway so that she could afford to put dinner on the table. But there was always food on the table. There was always food on the table. But my mom's narrative was always, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. And then also that people with money were somehow, they were bad. So I was very much raised with this, money's bad. So certainly don't strive for it because then I'll be gross, (laughs) right? So today, how does that impact how you relate to money in your own personal environment, right? Yeah, the way that it has manifested over my life, because I've done a lot of work on this, (laughs) a lot of work on this. But the way that it manifested for a long time was that I didn't strive to earn. I was very safe in financial fear. That's where I lived for a long time. And then when I started making money, the first thing I would do is get rid of it. 
I would get money in and then I would have to get it out as fast as possible. And I still think I kind of have a little bit of that. Like I definitely probably spend more than I should, but I don't have debt. I don't have credit cards. Like I'm very sort of contained in that way anyway. But yeah, for a long time, it was like, if I have money, then first of all, my mother will hate me because my mother hated people with money. So (laughs) there was that. So absolutely. I mean, it it impacted me hugely. And I think that, I mean, I think, you know, the reason we're having this conversation, obviously, is that there are a lot of women listening to this who have found themselves in situations where they might have their head in the sand about money. They don't actually, like you said, like they hear these words, 401k, retirement, annuity, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, la, 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 la. Right. So I love that you're starting with the money story because I think that that is so important for people to understand. I think it helps to break down, you know, lots of times in couples, the money story is wildly different, right? So Mm -hmm. how you relate to money, you know, I've got a client who is now divorced, but I saw the writing on the wall for a long time. You know, she came from a family that Dad was a doctor, mom was a teacher. They didn't live high on the hog, but they put money away. They were responsible. They valued education. They did give her, you know, money to, to go horseback riding. And her husband came from a family where as soon as the money came in, they spent it and there was no savings. There was no nothing. So this was a constant conflict. I worked with a LCSW, licensed clinical social worker, one time in a podcast about, about money. And she said, you know, money is more intimate than sex. Mm, absolutely. Right. We will have sex with someone and know nothing about them financially. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you, you know, that you ask those questions on the first date or two. So there's more intimacy to, to having to get to that place and open up and talk about history. So I think the money story is kind of an innocuous way to to get clear on where you are and how you look at things. And then you decide, right? You decide, do I want to make a shift from that? And what does that look like? And a lot of times you need a financial person to help you redirect those thoughts and maybe a coach. Well, right. But I like the idea of a financial person who actually will talk about your money story. And like, what are you, what are your different, because normally I see this all the time, like in my, you know, mom's groups and, you know, my local mom's groups or whatever, people are like, I need a financial person. And what they're asking for is I need someone to help to sit down and help me organize my money. So I understand it. And what they get is an investment advisor, right? Yep. And that's not what they're asking for. (laughs) They're like, I need someone to help me understand money. It is unfortunate. I've built my practice around the former scenario. I work primarily, I mean, I don't discriminate. I work with happily married couples. I work with men. But my sweet spot really is women in financial transition. So loss of spouse, considering divorce, divorce, buying or selling a business, these big changes where you really need to look at and reassess what do you have, where are you going, and what do you want, and help you get there. I did write this book because I think it is a way for the average person to get access to those conversations. My book's very conversational. So if we have a a squeeze the juice call, we're going to be talking about all the things in those chapters. It would be beneficial to the person to read it and start thinking through some of those things because it's just more of a expedited 
conversation. I mean, I, I can tickle torture it out of my client, right? We can have financial therapy and I can gather all that information and happy to do it. But sometimes it's, um, it's valuable to just kind of take a look at it. And hopefully it's not too technical. I, I tried to make it very palatable for the average person. So let's talk about some of the chapters. What are some of the chapters that people, you know, that you feel like are important for people to start looking at and thinking about? Some of the conversations that I have with uh, the first chapter is called My Husband Handles That. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at a networking event early on in my relocation to Florida and and I you know, introduce myself and somebody said, well, what do you do? I said, I work with, you know, I, um, I'm a financial advisor and they leaned away from me and said, oh, my husband handles that. And so I really had to look at, well, look, if your husband handles that, that's fine, but you need to at least know what's going on. That's right. Right. You need to participate at least once a year in those discussions. You, you know, certainly you have valuable input on, What's going to happen in your family's future, your children, yourself, your spouse, your retirement, all of those things, whether it be the how the money is invested, you don't have to get deep into that. But what do you want it to do? So those are the kinds of conversations that I have with clients about, again, money is a tool. What do you want? So one of the chapters, another chapter is called financial planning is simple. And it's what do you have and what do you want? Right. So what do you have? Do you have assets? What's your income? Uh, do you have inheritance? Do you have a business? And then what do you want? Well, I want financial freedom. I want to send my kid to private school. I want to not worry about my credit card bill. What, whatever it is that you want, we need to balance those two things. And that's my job in between. Right. So don't sweat the in between. You need to know what do you want and what do you have? Right. And you will fill in the rest. Yeah, that's a, that's a financial professional's job is to take your resources and use them as efficiently as possible. Right. From a tax mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. from yeah. whatever perspective and for your goals. Right. It doesn't matter to me what your goal is. My job is to help you use your resources as efficiently as possible. So good. Everyone needs one of you. Everyone needs a Jennifer in their corner. (laughs) Well, and I think, you know, going back to my husband, I just want to address like my husband handles that, right? Like, I also want to point out that like, if you're signing your name to which you are on your tax, you you know, your tax returns, you're signing documents, your name is probably on and it should be on all accounts, but it at least should be on uh, is is on some. And so if you are signing your name to things, you need to know what you're signing. Because when you cut co- when you go to the IRS, the IRS comes to you, they don't care. Oh, my husband handles that. Is this your signature? Yes, it is. You are liable. You're responsible. Right? Exactly. So it this is not it's not really a safe or legal or acceptable response. Right. I totally agree. I mean, just to be blunt. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. And um, we all have relationships and we divide and conquer. There are tasks in the household that you split up. And I get that. And look, the non-money party is somebody who doesn't have an aptitude or an interest for it. Doesn't mean they're not intelligent. Doesn't need, mean they're not capable. But that financial person, when even if you go in as a couple, if it's a traditional financial person, they're just talking about the accounts and the money and the allocation of those things. They're not necessarily digging deep into 
what do you want to have as a family, right? What is it that you're trying to accumulate? And that's really, that's kind of how I, I develop my practice because I don't want to have a surface relationship. If somebody comes in and says, well, I need, you know, an IRA and I need this and I want it X, Y, and Z. I said, go, great. Go to Bank of America. You can make it happen. If you don't want to have a conversation about the depths of what your goals are, there's really no point. I'm looking for um, a relationship with a client that's going to go on for 20 years. This is a relationship business. I recently met with a, a colleague, a friend of a friend, and you know his financial situation is all over the place and a mess, and he's got a stockbroker and he's got this. And I said, look, I said, honestly, if you were my client, we probably, and he has a, a significant net worth. I said, we would probably have to have lunch every other week for a year just to get all the ducks in a row, just to get clarity on what you want to leave to your children and how that's going to be, and just to have conversations with attorneys and accountants and make sure things are structured properly. It doesn't happen in five minutes. It doesn't happen in one meeting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is that's a guy with a high net worth and with lots of players, right? How does someone who is just getting divorced, who has never managed the money, or is thinking about divorce and never manage the money, but let's say for this scenario has access, right? They actually have access. This is not a financial abuse situation. Where do they begin? What's your advice to them? Excellent question. Okay. So first of all, in most states, you have half of anything that you have as a couple. Okay. You're entitled to half. Okay. Period. Period. End of story. No matter what he tells you, everybody. End of story. You're entitled to half. Okay, then if you have kids or child support, there's if you're not working and your spouse is the only income producer, there's alimony. You need a good attorney who's going to advocate honestly. And this is not just pitching you as a coach, but you need a coach because what happens is you want to quit. That's right. In the middle of it, you get so tired as women. We we want to wrap this up. We don't want the drama. We don't want the emotional turmoil. And attorneys are going to drag things out. And maybe your spouse is going to drag things out. And you need a financial partner. Now, the challenge is having a financial partner with no assets for three years while you're going through a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. Right. How are you going to pay for that? Right. Because some financial guy at Merrill Lynch isn't going to necessarily hang around for three years while you're doing that. So, you know, that's something you have to consider. But number one, know that you have assets and resources and go watch the the movie, The Other Woman with Cameron Diaz and get some basics there. Uh, you have assets and you have access to money. And then what anybody needs to do and to know is what kind of money do you have at your discretion? So what money is coming in, whether it be alimony, income, or an investment that kicks out earnings that you're spending on a monthly basis, those resources coming into the household minus your fixed expenses, you know, kids' braces, the cell phone bill, the house, the utilities, and then what's left, right? How much extra do you have? And what are you doing with that, right? Is it going to attorneys? Is it going to Costco? Is it going to, you know, shoes? Amazon. What, Amazon, whatever. <laughs> Where are you spending? Right. <laughs> And we all have a problem with Amazon. And God damn it. <laughs> and what are you doing, you know, for your future self, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what do you have? You need to know um, kind of what you can spend. 
And I would want to get very clear about that. A, a big mistake that um, a lot of uh, divorcees make is they think they need to stay in their house mm-hmm. and they end up trading off assets for the house. Yes. And that's a yes. psychological and an emotional piece. And it maybe doesn't make sense. Yeah. We've covered this on the podcast extensively and it, you know, it often doesn't make sense. And also very often what we don't know is like our attorneys are fighting for that. We're fighting for that. And then when it comes down to it, we actually can't qualify for the refi. It's like a, that's a moot point anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, not a good choice. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. The all-new, fully revised, Should I Stay or Should I Go? After three years of this program existing in the world and changing women's lives, I decided to give it a full makeover. The all-new version has all-new videos, a podcast-like audio stream if you want to take the work on the go, and completely updated resources for deepening your learning. The program consists of six core modules, the first of which is Who Are You? This is the section in which you dig deeply into your own personal development and get in touch with your inner guide, slay your inner critics, mine for values, and learn how to set healthy boundaries. The second module is how you learn to love and helps you understand your attachment style, love languages, and how to properly love and care for the most important person in all of this, yourself. Module three is called, Why Are Women So Exhausted?, and breaks down some of the issues around toxic masculinity and male entitlement, the myth of being a stay-at-home mom, and answers the question, he's fine. Why can't I just be happy? Module four is all about understanding abuse and includes videos on trauma bonds, understanding the cycles of abuse, particularly how they play out in your own relationship, and addresses addiction, infidelity, and mental illness. Module 5 is all about healing and moving forward and includes videos about therapy, couples therapy, healing from betrayal, emotional regulation, and grief. This section also includes my 90-minute workshop, Tackling Codependence, as well as my signature relationship inventory that will help you gain complete clarity on all the parts of your marriage and figure out what's his and what's yours. And module six answers the question, is the grass really greener on the other side? With in-depth videos on dating, cultural and religious isolation, and what happens if you end up alone forever? Spoiler, you probably won't. Whether you decide to stay or go, this program will set you up for a lifetime of clarity and fulfillment. And if you've already decided to go, the program will help you unpack all that's happened and help you heal so that you can move forward without repeating the same mistakes that got you here in the first place. This program is priced super low at just $697. And if you use the code PODCAST, when you check out, you'll get $50 off the full price. What are you waiting for? You have been agonizing with this decision for long enough. It's time to finally know, should you stay or should you go? And now back to our episode. So this is the second time that you've mentioned the other woman with Cameron Diaz. I don't remember. I don't remember that movie, but obviously it has stuck with you. So why is that? Why do you recommend it? It's a fun comedy. I I definitely enjoyed it. But um, uh, there's a couple of things that Cameron Diaz says, you know, the wife says, I don't have any money. I don't know 
I don't have access. He has all the money. And she says, no, you have half of what he has. Mm-hmm. And another point, she tells her to, to get her ducks in a row, like understand what you have, go talk to an attorney. You need to be able to pull statements. You need to be able to know where those resources are, those marital assets. Oh, wow. This is like a PSA. What? That's <laughs> great. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's right on target with everything that you're talking about. She also you know, the husband had her signing all kinds of things uh, with businesses that were in the the Bahamas, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of awareness that outside of the comedic part of the movie that just kind of get clear on. Wow. It's not the end of the world. Divorce is terrible. We can all hope that if you're getting divorced, the person that you've been with says, I once was in love with you. I care about you. I just want to, I don't want to live with you anymore. So let's figure it out. Yeah. Um, that's the best. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not the case. That's the rare. That's the rare exception. I always say that, you know, when you tell someone you want a divorce, like their response through the emotions or whatever, if this is a healthy person and like an otherwise healthy relationship, the, the response really should be, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. And I love you. And I want what's best for you. And Okay it's not what I want and it sucks, but okay. But probably if you were married to that kind of person, you may not be getting divorced. (laughs) Right. Maybe not. Have you spoken about collaborative divorce at all on your podcast? I have not actually not recently. Uh, We did an episode on it a long time ago. I think it's definitely worth revisiting because I think people throw around the term collaborative divorce, right? There's like, I talk about it as like big C, little C collaborative divorce and big C collaborative divorce. So why don't you tell us what the difference is? If you are truly in a relationship where you just, you know, you don't hate the other person, you just know that it's not working out and you need to, it's heartbreaking. You need to break up and you need to move on. Mm -hmm. And there are kids and there's assets. It's complicated, right? And so if you hire attorneys, unfortunately, I mean, I've had experience with a number of attorneys in my in my life and the they do their job and their job is to disrupt and it doesn't necessarily make it for a productive negotiation or conversation. So right. if you start yes. if you say to your spouse, look, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to divide these assets up and do so where, you know, we're not wasting money on attorneys and we're not fighting and being extra disruptive to the kids then collaborative divorce is is very attractive. You know, it involves a licensed clinical social worker. It involves a financial professional who outlines all the assets. And it involves two attorneys who are open to and willing to and wanting to negotiate and get to a acceptable resolution. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, again, it's probably few and far between in a, in a sea of 100 um, divorces, maybe you got 15 that will do that and do it well. But I also think that it's possible for more people than know that it exists, right? Because the first thing people like to do, and I always say this is the you know one of the last things you should do, but the first thing people like to do is lawyer up. And the second you hire a litigator, you're off to the litigation races. So like, don't do that at first, right? Just first, let the waters calm down. Just let it let it settle. And even if you're the one who has wanted this for so long, what happens is like, once we've finally said it, 
right? Then we're like, okay, great. Now I'm going to hire a lawyer. We're going to get this done. And the other person is still reeling and they're angry. And now they feel attacked and they feel scared and you're getting a lawyer and like, oh my God. And so now they're going to have to hire a lawyer and then all hell breaks loose. I think it really just depends on the situation for sure. The danger in not lawyering up is that, you know, you hear these scenarios about a spouse going out and interviewing with the 20 top divorce attorneys in the community because they want to get their name in front of them. And so you can't access them. So, you know, it really depends on how toxic your situation is and narcissistic. You're you're soon to be, my my girlfriend uses the word husband. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How toxic they are, right? You may need to lawyer up, but I think if there's any sort of ability to um, say, look, you know, I care about you. I don't want this to be a mess. Then you talk about collaborative divorce. And again, people don't know about it. They don't really know that's an option. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so collaborative divorce, just to be clear, it it is a modality of divorce. This doesn't just mean, oh, we want to be collaborative. We want to have a collaborative divorce. Collaborative divorce is an actual modality of divorce. It's like mediation, litigation, collaborative divorce. And it involves all of the professionals, like you said, like you outlined, and sometimes a parenting uh, specialist, but always two collaborative attorneys. And these are attorneys who are trained and certified in collaborative divorce. And, you know, you mentioned the LCSW. It's always a licensed mental health professional who is, they call it a collaborative coach. And I'm always having to say like, no, it's actually not a coach. It's actually a mental health professional. I cannot work in a collaborative field because I'm certified as a coach, not as a mental health professional. So can you sort of outline how it all goes? This is how I got divorced, by the way, but can you outline how it all goes? Good, good. It's basically, so when you're going um, in any venue, when you're going through divorce, you have to you have to disclose what your assets are. So you're looking at a, at a net worth and you're looking at income and you're looking at all these things. And basically, you're coming together in a discussion with both your attorneys represented and the financial person saying, okay, here's what I've put together as far as what your assets are. Mm-hmm. And then it's a discussion of, well, I want the home. I want this car. I want the beach house. I want whatever. And you're negotiating those things back and back and forth and dividing those assets up. And the financial person is helping to say, well, you know, she really wants the beach house. He wants this. And then figuring out how do you balance those things out with other assets that are in cash. Also talking to each individual party about, you know, what's your cash flow going to be like if you have this particular home? You know, maybe you're not going to be able to afford to do anything but live in that home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's important. Now, the LCSW is there for the outburst, the emotional components of that, trying to keep things on track, trying to, you know, things are certainly going to get emotional at times. And there could be anger and frustration and and everything else. And there to kind of put things back on track and move in in a forward moving direction. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that each party doesn't need their own coach or their own outside financial person, because in the end, they need to be able to live with the decisions they've made, right? Yeah. So in the collaboration, you know, you each have your own attorney and then the financial person is dividing the assets. LCSW is keeping things civil. You know, when you go home that night, you got to deal with it mentally. So sometimes that's a coach. Right. 
sometimes that's, hey, this is what the financial person is suggesting I could live on. Can I? Right. Is that realistic? Right. And is that and that would be hiring your own financial person or like as a consultant, right? Like it'd be consulting a financial person, whether it's a CDFA or something else, just to say, can I do this? Is this reasonable? Right. Yeah. Something I wish I had had. Uh, but you know, hindsight is 2020. You probably wish you had a divorce coach. I do. They didn't really have them back in 2009. They we did not exist. No. So I do. I wish I had had a divorce coach. I wish I'd had a consulting attorney. I wish I had had. There's a lot of things I wish I had, but here we are and everything's fine. <laughs> and you get to help a whole bunch of people with, you know, the mistakes and experiences that you've had. When I give a talk and talking about th- these kind of things, uh, people will come up to me afterwards and say, where were you when I needed you? 100%. Like, where were you when I was going through this? I, I, get, I left too much money on the table. I gave up too soon. Sometimes I refer to myself as a financial therapist because really that's what we're doing in the early part of yeah those conversations. Are you affiliated with a financial institution or are you independent and really client focused? What's how does that So my my business it's a uh, is called Modern Wealth and it's a boutique independent advisory firm. I do broker through Cambridge Securities. Okay. Um is my broker dealer. That's just kind of a compliance and another set of eyes making sure that everything is i's are dotted t's are crossed. It's actually I think it's it takes some money off of my plate, but it's beneficial to the client because there's another layer of oversight. Yeah. But my job is to do what's right for the client, period. Okay. So you don't actually work for a firm. No. You just partner. Yeah. So that's that's great. Nobody tells me what to do or how to do it or how much to do. So just me. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. And so are you state specific? Are you licensed in certain states or are you available to everyone? Great question. In the securities world, you need to be licensed in any state where you have a client. (laughs) So if I were to have a prospective client in Idaho and I don't have a license there, I would need to get a license to be having financial conversations. And I do all the time. It's not takes 24 hours. It's not a big deal. But so I'm licensed in a variety of states. You can see on my website which states I'm licensed in. I couldn't rattle them all off to you right now, but that's not a a, a showstopper. It's not a barrier. No, it's not a barrier to end. Where are you located out of curiosity? I didn't realize. I didn't. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Oh, okay. Okay, great. All right. I grew, grew up in Maryland. So I have clients in Maryland and Ohio and California and Sarasota. Wonderful. So Jennifer, where can people find you? You mentioned your website. Sure. So my website is modern-wealth and um, you can get a flavor for who we are and the kinds of things that we do. And then um, I also have a website called Squeeze the Juice Book and it talks a little bit about writing your family love letter, which is the, the basic concept inside of the book. And there's some financial worksheets and that type of thing. But I think that anybody who's really just getting started and wants to get their ducks in a row and wants to get clear on what they know or what they don't know, it's a valuable investment of 25 bucks to to look at um, and go through that type of um, exercise, really. I promise. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's not painful. Right. I promise. It's a It's a couple hour read. There's stories in between. I tried to really, really make it ostrich friendly. Yeah. 
Great. And there's one last question for women who are ostriches and maybe have had their head in the sand and don't understand, like what other resources can you point them towards? Are there people to follow other books that you recommend for people who are really kind of coming out of ostrichness and wanting to understand things better, want to learn? Yeah. I honestly think that they don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, um, I don't want to say once an ostrich, always an ostrich. I think that it's valuable to talk to your girlfriends Mm -hmm. um, about what they do, how they do it, Mm -hmm. um, what their advisor is like. It's valuable Mm -hmm. to interview different advisors, certainly your podcast and similar ones about financial concepts. But remember, you listen to podcasts and read books about things that interest you. And the ostrich is nervous and not so interested in this subject matter. So I really think you kind of need the coaching component of it. A lot of my clients come to me and they say, I don't want to know all the details. And I say, okay, well, that's fine. But I need to know the details. And then I need to be able to explain to you your options. And you need to be able to make a decision. After that, you can forget our conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you come back to review your accounts, I'll remind you what we did and why. Right. And then you can forget. And after about the third time, you'll say to me, Jennifer, please don't tell me that again. (laughs) I get it. And so then you're no longer an ostrich, right? Right. You need to be coaxed out of the sand. Yeah. I mean, there's little little pieces. Um, My clients, you know, I sent out probably 100 100 books after it was published to my existing clients. There's three categories. One category of clients read the whole thing, wrote me a note right away, told, gave me their feedback. They are comfortable with their money. Uh-huh. There's another group that says, oh, I haven't read it. It's by my nightstand. I'm going to read it. Yeah, I got to carve out time. Mm-hmm. And then the last group is never, ever going to read it. They probably put it on Amazon for sale. Like it's, (laughs) you're in one of those categories and it's okay, right? Right. So you need to know who you are and how you're best going to absorb the information. My PR suggested to, to me that I record little videos about each chapter. And we did that. So those are available on YouTube. So if you think you're never going to read it, oh, um, watch the video about being an ostrich, watch the video about knowing your discretionary number. And it, at least it gives you a little taste. And you could decide if you want more. I love that. Well, we will link to that in the show notes, because I think that's a great resource for, for people who are you know, also, I think there are people that, you know, consume information differently, right? And for some people sitting down and reading a book is overwhelming, but watching YouTube videos like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) That's so that's great. It's not fancy, but it's the content. Whatever. Right. Exactly. That's so great. Well, so um, again, your website is modern-wealth.com. And Jennifer Lee is available in really, I guess, any state, right? <laughs> Within 24 hours. Yep. I do have um, a Calendly for a um, what I call a squeeze the juice call. So if this has stimulated interest and you have, you know, hey, I just need to ask a few questions. I do a 15 minute complimentary call. It's um, Calendly and it's Jennifer Modern Wealth. Happy to talk to any of your guests. And we will definitely put that in the show notes. That's wonderful. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with us. It's been really fun. My pleasure. It's been terrific meeting you, Kate. Thanks for your help. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.